came up with this sort of cheesy tagline, something we really believe in, though. It's, we want to see the whole church whole again. All right, so uh, the Whole Church Podcast got a very special episode. We're all just going to flesh out some testimonies. David's going to have to leave halfway through, and then we'll get back to talking about some personal stuff and how he's kept church unity and some of my brother's part of the college ministry and how they do unity with a few different denominations, actually. Um, so very special episode again of David Pizza Roll, or Pizarro, as some people like to call him, because that's his name. I, I don't know. And then my brother, Matthew Knoll. Yeah, good to be here. <laughs> so it's good to have you guys. Yeah. So we're going to start with some testimonies. Um, Matt, did you uh, you want to walk us through some of your story first? Just I know we both sure. grew up Christian, so some of it's kind of yeah. the same. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so obviously, you know, uh, the Christian background I grew up in. But <clears throat> for those that don't know, um, just kind of grew up in a family where we went to church three Wait, times a week. You had a family? Yeah, right. Weird. Um, shocker, right? <laughs> Um, so yeah, my dad was actually, um, used to be an assistant pastor. Um, that was before I was born, but just definitely grew up in family where parents loved each other and took us to church every week. Um, so yeah, so grew up with that, um, went to a Christian school all the way through high school. Um, and just really didn't make, uh, you know, faith my own until I got into college. Um, it was very much just kind of. Uh, going through the motions, going to church, and um, checking that off the to-do list. And uh, there was no real change of heart until I got to college, I would say. Yeah. And then at college, we had some pretty, you know, I, I wouldn't say intense. I think everybody kind of goes through some of this stuff. But uh, intense for you, life stuff, um, whenever Papa passed, and then yeah. I basically sort of died and came back. Right. The crazy stuff. Yeah, definitely. So I think I had started hanging out with friends that were bad influences on me in high school and um, just kind of in a hard time where uh, those guys were there for me through my grandpa passing away my senior year of high school. Um, they just went to college and was really seeking fulfillment uh, and satisfaction and things that is things that are glorified on the college campus, such as alcohol and different things. Um, and then that was also a season where that summer after my freshman year in college, my Brother got in a car accident and uh, had really a near-death um, incident, and uh, that really just shook me and made me realize that I had no firm foundation to to rest in, no no peace um, of mind, and that was really a season for me where I was just kind of seeking, um, and for a season it it led me to seek things in college to fulfill me and to answer questions I had to bring me joy um, that I was lacking during this season. And uh, those things just led to emptiness. Um, and there was a good friend of mine. Her name was, her name was Alyssa. And she would invite me every week to uh, a campus outreach meeting um, on Tuesdays. And every week I would kind of give her a reason why I couldn't go. Um, and then came December and I met with one of her friends, Mike. And he talked me uh, into going to this New Year's conference. And I went to that. I heard a speaker by the name of Garrett Kell, who works with the Gospel Coalition. Um, and he had spoke on John four, uh, and it was just a great sermon for me to hear at the right time, uh, about how, uh, God sent his son to appease the wrath of God that I was deserving of, um, and how not only is God just, but he's also loving and that he actually desires a relationship with me. And in that relationship, he desires to give me fullness of joy found in him. Uh, and for me, that was just a, an eye opening thing. And ever since then, I've sought to, um, you know, just sought Christ and, uh, he saved me there. 
uh, not by any works I brought, but fully by grace. Um, and ever since then, I've just been, yeah, learning to walk with other believers around me. So, yeah. And I know, um, then that, that summer, right after that, you went to a, the Christian projects, right? Whatever. What's that called? Yeah. So that's called summer beach project. Camp Outreach does. It's an eight week long thing every summer, uh, where you work and you learn, uh, just four, uh, main disciplines of the faith, such as reading your word, prayer, uh, sharing your faith and, uh, fellowship. You you went to that. And I remember you came back and it was one church, a mutual friend of all of ours, Macy was, uh, at church with me. And we both were just kind of like, who's this guy? Like you just were completely different. Like it was like the way you walked, the way you talked, everything was just, it was different. Yeah. Uh, the Lord. Yeah, the Lord definitely was so good to me there. So, still awesome, is. Awesome. So, as for my testimony, it's um obviously very similar. Grew up Christian. My parents were the same as Matt's parents, so I won't believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, that, that's apparently that's a brother's work. <laughs> so I won't go bore you with any of those details. I don't think I ever really got in the wrong crowd or really stirred too far off from church. I know that's like a kind of a boring testimony almost, but like. I think really my sin was more being complacent. Like I just wanted to say I was Christian so that I wouldn't have to worry about judgment or anything. And hey, if I don't do bad things, I don't really need to, you know, face a lot of that. And I, I think it's almost like a I use complacency and not being bad as kind of like a cover for not being what I would say a true Christian should be. Mm-hmm. I wasn't doing anything with it. I was just, yeah, okay, I'm good. Check the box, yeah. you know. And then um. I got into a very serious relationship and it ended kind of abruptly for me. And for whatever reason, that just tore me up and I just didn't want to talk to anybody. I don't know if you remember, like I ended up being the same time that I had to leave school for academic purposes because I don't pay attention very well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I had all this stuff happen at once and I was just kind of alone and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to read the Bible over and over and, the the dumb thing is, I just wanted to prove that God wasn't real, so I could stop caring. I was like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to care, so I'm gonna read this book until I find a some kind of hole in it that I can say, hey, yeah, see, this doesn't make sense, so it can't be real. So I kept reading it, and I kept doing all this research in the Bible, and couldn't find anything. Like, you know, a lot of the stuff that people are like, oh, hey, here's a hole. You know, the more I looked into it, I was like, oh, that's it's not really a hole. That's just sort of how that was written, or this makes more sense if I look to the original language. And I'm like, man, I, I don't. I don't want it to make more sense. Like I honestly just didn't want it to, but it just kept, it kept making sense. Yeah. And two friends from college, my friend Zeb and my friend Mark came at different points and more or less made me get out of the house. And I think one of those times Zeb had like some kind of an instrument with him and we picked you up and we were singing songs about an atheist friend back at college in the car, just goofing off. I do remember that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, what's funny is, Mark, you know, he's not even, he wasn't Christian, but I feel like that's like a huge part of my testimony. He was like, you know, he drug me out and I had to kind of face life knowing that I couldn't disprove the Bible, couldn't disprove God. And it was just a reality I had to live with. Ended up going to Charleston Southern and that kind of sucked too. Cause the whole reason I was going to Charleston is cause that girl I was with wanted to go to a college in Charleston and we were going to be close to each other. Well, now we broke up and she's not going to Charleston and I still was. So I'm stuck at this place knowing that I'm only here because of a girl who's not here. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, oh, that sucks. And, um, God's sovereign. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then at that school, I met uh, Dr. Sharp, who's going to be on an episode of the podcast later on. I've been talking to him about that. That'd be cool. He, uh, he kind of hammered this idea of transformationalism versus transactionalism. It was like his key thing whenever I was at college. 
and he kept talking about um transactionalism is this idea where a lot of Christians have where they're like, okay, well, I didn't do bad things. I did good things. So I'm good. And, you know, even though they know it's only saved by grace or saved through faith, they still feel like they're good because they're doing the right things and not doing the wrong things. Whereas transformationalism is like this idea where you're actually becoming Christ, part of the body, part of who agape is. And it was like, I had all these ideas and I knew it. And then I felt the call of the ministry. So I started kind of pursuing that, but I don't think I ever, really met that transformation it's like okay i have this head knowledge but it didn't click that i wasn't doing it yet you know it's like one of those where i didn't feel bad so obviously i'm still right but it's good to know all this stuff i could tell other people the stuff and i was i was teaching people what transformation wasn't but i don't think i ever experienced real transformation in that way um then the girl died from a children's ministry i used to be a part of she passed away and i don't really know if i told many people about it at the time but it, it wrecked me it's like, why, God, why, why would you let this kid? She was just a kid. Why would you let her die? And it's sort of the same thing you and David both just talked about. You know, we had this moment of like, why would God let that happen? And then um, I, I lost a few other people. There was a lot of death. In fact, I called it the year of death because there's so many people died. And uh, mm-hmm. that same year was Papa passed away. And right. then I got into another relation, like really intense relationship and broke up at the exact same time. I ended up losing my apartment that I was in. And being not, not able to return to school this time, it was more financial reasons. But it was, uh, so I just got kicked out of school, kicked out of home, had all these people die, my grandfather pass away, and I was without anything. It was like God had to completely break me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I started to try and get it. But then I still like, it was like God broke me as much as he could, and I still just was being stubborn. Like I didn't want to, didn't want to face it. And I think later that year was when uh, I got in a car accident, got hit by a truck that was going like way over the speed limit, direct hit to the driver's side, rushed to the emergency room, ended up having metal placed in my leg, my lung collapsed, some brain stuff, had like three different brain surgeries, like all this crazy stuff. I have a sermon I can put a link to on here where I go into the accident in more detail. But the thing was, even like the other guy's lawyers said, yeah, he, sh- he shouldn't be alive. And yet during it all, it was like I tran- like went through the transformationalism while I was in the hospital. Almost is like I remember God just filling me with this crazy joy when they were telling me, "Hey, we're gonna have to shave your head ball. And I was already like in a wheelchair at the hospital. I was like, "You can call me Professor X." Then, and whenever they explained the brain surgery, the guy was like, "Oh, hey, yeah, your brain's gotten too big. It's absorbing all this liquid, and it's gonna like pressure on your neck." And I was like, "Okay, I need a doctor's signature saying my brain is too big on this picture right now." And it was like God just gave me this crazy joy and crazy love, and I just. I was a different person. It was like no longer was transformationalism just something I knew. It was something I was living. And I think uh, God had to break me. And then he had to wreck me. And it's like he threw everything he could at me until I didn't have any other choice. It was like, yeah, I I was either going to transform or be a miserable person the rest of my life. And I think sometimes that's just where God has to bring you. So, yeah. So we got some good testimonies there. This fun stuff. You know, I usually do what my first memory with someone is. And what's funny is, I actually do know my first memory with you. <laughs> Mom and Dad brought you home from the hospital. And I was I was angry. You're going to think I was like five or six years old. And Dad had been telling me I was going to have a little brother and he was going to play soccer with me. But I was like, what the crap is this? I can't play soccer with a baby. <laughs> I was so mad. I'm pretty sure you were more angry that I was better looking. Right? Uh, you, you were an ugly. <laughs> <laughs> I was an ugly kid too. 
I think I did drop you on your head once, though. Yeah, right. It, it shows. Oh, uh, sure, <laughs> sure. Oh, man. But to get back to your story, you know, you started being part of that college ministry. Yeah. They are associated mm-hmm. with a Presbyterian and a Reformed Baptist church. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so they're actually, uh, Camp Sourish is associated with Christ Covenant Church, which is in Matthews. Um, great church, uh, gospel centered. Um, and then some of us, um, so the cool thing about Camp Sourish is it always flows out of a local church. Um, that is like they're overwatched by elders and everything, kind of yeah. making sure they're staying aligned with scripture. Um, so actually the, the Baptist church that I go to, Oakhurst Baptist Church, uh, on Monroe Road, um, actually is not associated with Camp Sourish, but our pastor was in Camp Sourish. Um, Crazy. But a lot of us in Camp Sourish do go to church there, right? Yeah, so there's yeah. a lot of almost cross-denomination interaction within the ministry. Right, yeah. How's that, Um. does yeah. that ever affect you guys? Is there ever like any arguments of like, oh, baby baptism? No, that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of, a, I guess you could say a hot topic, right? Um, yeah, you know, I think what we would say is uh, baptism would be a secondary issue. I... I personally believe that someone comes to faith in Jesus Christ and they are to be baptized as an outward profession of inward faith, um, you know, death to sin and life to Christ uh, in, in full submersion. You know? Yeah. Um, but I would say that the primary issue that we can all agree on and that we all find fellowship in is, um, you know, that, that Jesus Christ, uh, God, a holy, perfect yeah, creator. Jesus uh, yeah. <laughs> God, a holy God, sent Jesus to die on the cross uh, for our sins because as Romans Romans 3 teaches, uh, none of us have feared God and we have all, in fact, turned aside uh, from God. So we need Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. And we all agree on that. Um, and I think we, as a campus ministry, our main goal is not to teach, uh, teach what we think is right on baptism, but to teach Christ crucified um, on, on a lost college campus. And and that is what eternally matters, I think. So, uh, yeah, so it hasn't affected our fellowship, I would say. Right. Yeah. And uh, as Oakhurst, as a church, we actually we pray for Christ Covenant. And I know Christ Covenant prays for Oakhurst. So, yeah, that that's awesome stuff. Yeah. I know. Our first episode of the podcast, actually, Pastor Gary was on. here. You know, he's. Yeah. Pastor. So Harvest thankful Ministers. for him. Yeah. Great guy. Great guy. And he actually was talking about, yeah, um, Ephesians 4 says maintaining the unity. Doesn't Absolutely. say finding it, and he's like, "Yeah, the thing is, the more we all pursue Jesus, the more we're yeah. like Jesus. You're just going to kind of find yourself together." Christ as the head is what we're all growing up into. Absolutely. Yeah. But then that begs the question for me. Sure. Part of what this podcast is is kind of trying to like fact finding, seeing if we can figure sure. this out. Yeah. If we can all agree, uh, yeah, Jesus guy, he's cool, and we all agree, like we're trying to get to that. Right. Why do we still see divides? Hmm. You know. Yeah. Do you uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely. I mean. So I do think that, uh, you know, there's a place for denominations, uh, personally, where I just think, um, you know, for me, I want to live my life according to scripture. Um, so I believe scripture is my authority in life and I want to go to a church that also sees it that way. Um, and I go to a church that I think has, um, you know, rightly just we're, we're trying to live by the word and what the word teaches. Um, and I think, you know, when you say divides and denominations and everything, I think, um, I think there's some, you know, great churches in different denominations, and I just think that, um, I'm losing my track of mind here. <laughs> um, happens. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, 
when we see strife and all these things, I think we lived in a, a sin-laden world. Um, we're all sinners, uh, even sinners saved by grace. And uh, thankful for Mark Dever uh, in the Nine Mars ministry. About a quote from him earlier. Right. And uh, he, he always says, you know, even the best church is a church at best, which just kind of means, you know, um, that we're all sinners redeemed by Christ. And we still have some of that corrupted nature that Christ is um, yeah. perfecting in us um, until the day that we will be glorified in heaven with him. Um, so as we grow up in the head, I think as Christians, we are to do uh, what we see in Galatians 6, 9 and 10. Um, and that says, uh, actually, so I'll quote verse 10. Um, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are the household of faith. So I think yeah. as my personal responsibility, any brother or sister in Christ, uh, no matter what denomination, if they're professing faith in Christ, I want to take them at their word and I want to love them as though Christ loved them to give his life for them. So and yeah. that's, um, I think that's how you kill strife. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a guy I love is uh, John Goldingate. And he has a, a book called Biblical Theology where he just goes through the Bible and says, hey, what is the Bible's theology? What, what would it be? And one thing he talks about is how all throughout the Bible it talks about the earth going through birthing pains and how like God's Absolutely. not just saving us, but he's literally saving the whole planet. Right. And he's like in the act of still doing yeah. that. Um, one of my mentors, Ken Hagerman, talks about like, right. he's like, you know, he, he says he doesn't even like the term saved sometimes. Right. Because really, you got to think of it like you're drowning in an ocean of sin. Right. And someone comes out and he reaches you and he grabs you to save you. Would you say you're saved yet? He's like, no, you're, you're being saved. You're getting there. Once you make it to the shores, you're saved. Yeah. And I feel like that's, honestly, that's a good answer to the once saved, always saved problem. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but it's the thing, it's like a continual, like, as we proceed in God, as we proceed to grow, I think we do see more unity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just tell the whole church to follow Jesus more. Is that, yeah, is that what we're uh, saying? <laughs> love Christ, love neighbor, you know. Yeah. Um, nice and simple. Absolutely. You know, and it, it's, yeah, you would say nice and simple, you know, and. I found it in my own personal experience, just uh, sinfully so, um, where I pridefully want to say, no, my theology is right. Yours is wrong. Or, you know, I'm right in this issue. Um, you're wrong in this issue. Why can't everyone just agree that I'm right? Let's just, you know, let our <laughs> hearts be burdened by the fact that um, there is lost souls out there. And we as a church need to work together to um, reach them with the gospel. You know, and I think oh, yeah. uh, personally, I want to die over issues of, um, salvation. So, yeah. Well, that's um, mom and dad was on a previous episode of the podcast. Okay. Shout out to John and Sandra Noel. Yeah, just sound weird. Yeah, thankful for that. <laughs> right. But they uh, they were talking about their detention ministry. And, yeah, you know, they were church got a prophecy went into an assemblies of God church, and all of sure. a sudden, all these people are working together right. for the mission of reaching these lost kids. Absolutely. And I think a lot of times, to go back to you know my own testimony, even I think a lot of our problems in the church maybe just comes from complacency. Yeah. If we're working together and we have a mission, you know, me and you are out there and let's, let's say we're, we're fighting a war, you right. know, yeah. I think us fighting people in that moment, we're a lot less likely to be like, oh, hey, what do you think about the war? And we're a lot more likely to just fight, you know, like, and I yeah, think right. a lot of um, the, <laughs> you just grabbed a Spanish speaking Bible. Yeah, he went to grab a Bible for a quote, I think, and he grabbed my Spanish Bible, I'm using it to learn Spanish. So, but. Yeah, I think a lot, you know, when we're out in the war, you're not thinking of, hey, why are we fighting it? Or what's this about? Or anything like that. You're just thinking, hey, I need to survive. Let's fight the war right now. You're my fellow soldier. We're in this together. 
And I yeah. think as long as Christians stay on mission, I think we'll see that more. You know, we're focused on the fight instead of focused on one another or focused on what we disagree about. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, kind of like what you're talking about, you know, is um, I think we put these burdens on other brothers and sisters rather than encouraging them to press on um, towards the goal. And uh, I think what's so interesting about the life of the Apostle Paul is, you know, some of these churches um, that he's writing to, uh, if you were to hear, you know, what's going on, I think there's like one where he's talking about uh, sexual morality going on in the church. And just, um, you know, even in Hebrews, we see, you know, uh, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Um, and I think yeah. it's just so crazy to see the Apostle Paul talk to these churches. And part of me could read it and be like, man, I'm seeing the sin here. And <laughs> I think some of us would be yeah. so quick to excommunicate some of these guys from our churches yeah. when the Apostle Paul is, is quick to say, hey, what you're doing is wrong, but I just want to affirm you that I love you and Christ died for you for that sin, to cover that sin completely. Um, so I think Having the mindset of loving one another as Christ would and uh, really realizing that um, I've heard it said the cross of Christ is shallow enough for us to wade around in, but also deep enough for us to drown in. Um, so we need to have a bigger understanding of God's grace and let that affect uh, re- realizing that we're covered. And also, so, so are our brothers and sisters. They're covered really as well. Staying on mission. Absolutely. Yeah. Staying on mission. And I think this verse talking about, yeah, staying on mission is great. How can we encourage our brothers and sisters? to uh to live this out and and paul says you know i press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of god in christ jesus let us therefore as many as are perfect have this attitude and if in anything you have a different attitude god will build that also to you however let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained um you know so i think just that that language of us like let us walk together let us press yeah. on it's straight like the, forward uh, to the goal ahead like yeah. the cheesy trick that lame right. guys use to end up yeah. in a relationship where they're like if i talk to the girl and say we a lot she'll think of us <laughs> as a we there you go but yeah, it's like we, we as a church say right. we more often absolutely yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. man that's good stuff well I'll get going just because it's already a really long podcast sure. i still yeah. got some time with david ahead of us um one thing I do like to talk about memories just for fun so people you know, know we're real people. Cool. I was thinking about our first time with David Pizarro. All three of us were in Charleston together. That was fun, yeah. yeah I think I was yeah. giving my testimony at Brother Martin's church. Right, yeah. It's a Somerville Family Worship Center. Shout out to those guys. Yeah. They had a great church. Yeah. But, um, and we were out in Charleston. And we have this really cool picture of the three of us making just like goofy faces in front of a fountain that I, I – swear it's impossible to find like we just got lost in charleston we were like hey what if we just started walking around (laughs) and like i always remember that and then the time that um we were walking by the fudge store and i told you guys i was like hey i'm sorry and you kept walking you were like i I know this guy well enough that i don't want to be a part of this (laughs) and you just kept walking and david had to follow me to see what i was doing and i walked to the fudge store just look at these guys and go Oh, fudge, this is the wrong store. <laughs> David's like dying, laughing. This random, you're just like, yep, glad I didn't go in there. <laughs> Definitely a cringeworthy moment. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good time. So, hey, yeah, absolutely. Good having my brother on the podcast. Good to be here. And yeah, wrap this up with David now. <laughs> awesome. See you guys. All right, David, welcome back. Hey, Josh, what's up, man? What's going on, man? Yeah, me and Matt just finished talking about uh, how we think a large part of what gets in the way of church unity is just kind of people not being on mission like they're too complacent so they're just finding something to do and hey, fighting something to do so yeah we just got done talking about that and uh 
and now you're back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys must have been talking for a while. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to, <laughs> to be back. Yeah, it's been a it's been a weekend. We had to wait for you to be able to have Ty to call back. So, yeah, and a lot's happened that weekend. You were telling me about some stuff actually happened concerning church unity, so that was neat. Yeah, uh, this weekend um, we had a retreat. Um, my church had a retreat called The Encounter, and so I was a part of it. I was blessed to be part of it, and it was just incredible getting to know people that I didn't really spend a lot of time with and, you know, re reuniting with people that I just kind of like grown a little distant from. And yeah. so it was just, it was great. God, God moved. Um, people were healed and just, it was, it was awesome. There's a lot of time of deliverance and it really was an encounter. That's There's great. no other way to describe yeah. and it. You said, um, there was another pastor friend of ours there who actually said something to you about working together in unity. That was really yeah. good. What was that? What was the line? We may be in different ministries, but it doesn't mean we're going in different directions. Yeah, which is, man, that's just powerful. It, and, it, and I told you earlier, it reminds me of a Paul and Peter, you know, whenever Acts, and it kind of has this story built up where, you know, Paul is riding back to church trying to figure out what's going on in Jerusalem. And Peter's sending people behind Paul at different places he goes trying to see, what's this guy actually saying? And then, you know, that you're, 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 it builds to where you think there's going to be this tension. And then Paul's like, oh, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and settle this. And you're like, oh, he's going to get them. No, I'm going to come bring an offering, submit myself to them, and then whatever they need, I'm going to do it to show that there's unity. And he does that, <laughs> yeah. even though, you know, Peter's ministry to the Jews, he's ministry to the Gentiles, it's not the same ministry, but they get together on the same page, prove that there's unity. Peter and them accept him in, and they submit to him, and Paul submits back to them, and the church is able to still work in unity and they are, and they both, you know, go back to their separate ways and do their own ministries after that. So that's, that's neat stuff. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, I remember one of the pastors at my church. He he preached a message recently, recently about the the power of God's church and how it how it comes from unity and order. If you do things in God's in kingdom order, and you're and we're in unity. Then, um, then the church is unstoppable. That's how that's how it'll grow. That's how it'll impact. Um, Jesus said, "You'll know you'll know they're my disciples by their love for one another." Uh, Paul said that we're all different parts of the same body, and each each part is just as important as the other. Um, even King David in Psalms said that the anointing is just as precious the the or the unity is just as precious as the anointing oil. So unity is interwoven everywhere in the Bible because it's just such an important part of the church and of God's creation. It was even down to the to the very beginning when God created Adam and Eve, he said he said it's not good for a man to be alone. You know, it's it's always been a part of God's creation where we needed to be unified. Yeah. And it's I am trying to remember where I've heard it before. I've heard it before the you know said of the church, Christ in all and in all in Christ. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's just it's good, man. But yeah, in in and of ourselves we can't we can't be unified because you know, we we're humans and we don't humans don't mesh well. And um but that's what makes the church so powerful because it takes so many different imperfect people who wouldn't mesh well and unites them by the Holy Spirit and love, you know, and so that's why that's why the church is powerful because there's nothing else like it. 
when we're unified, that's not normal. That's not common. You know, even when when they were building the Tower of Babel, God said when they're working in one mind, they can do anything they set their minds to. And that's that that speaks volumes about unity, that even God himself said they can do anything. And it's, again, yeah, just like you said, it's all throughout the Bible. And I think it's something that I've seen all throughout your life. I've known you ever since I met you the summer after your dad passed, that you were talking about earlier. And um, I, yeah, I met you just then, and ever since I've, I've known you, it's been something just powerful in your life is just the unity that's in Christ. And I think even before you even understood it or really knew much about it, it was just there. Like, you, you just, you had it, you know? Thank you, man. I mean, the the only I can honestly say that the only reason that I that I've really experienced unity is like like I said earlier, the Holy Spirit and just just God's grace. You know, um, after my dad passed, we needed we we, we pray, I I prayed for God to reunify our family because there was such a distance between me and my brothers and even my mom, and it was just such a breaking moment for all of us that that God needed that we needed God to step in and just rebuild and pick up all the pieces and um unify us again and now I can honestly say that we're we're even closer than we were before you know unified through the pain because of God's grace man that is good um <laughs> which I think you've also and maybe because you learned from that you were able to do this I, I know one story just about your life that I, I, I actually really like, and I, just, I think it's probably just a smaller part of your life, but it's, it's neat to me, was uh, you, when you were serving with the youth ministry and the youth pastor had to leave. You know, I don't want to drop any names, but, you know, some stuff happened. He had to leave, and a lot of different people were trying to make it almost into a fight, you know, trying to pick sides or whatever, and I don't even think it was really like that. It just people like drama, and they try to make it like that. But, yeah. um yeah, I don't want to say too much about what happened, but I did think it was interesting that throughout all this, people were like, oh, where, where are you at? And you were sort of in between, you know, you were close to the old pastor and you were close to the head pastor of the church and everything. And you just found a place where you were like, yeah, no, I, I just want to have unity with everyone. And uh, <laughs> you were kind of able to do that by honoring just everyone involved, which sometimes hard to do, but you kind of found a way. Do you want to? Talk some about that, maybe? Yeah, I can honestly say that that was one of the most transformative and growing periods of my life. Um, it, like, I don't I don't give it enough, I don't give God enough credit for for that moment because it was just such a, I don't know, it was just such a, like, quiet time. You know, it felt like it was a, a dry season where I just didn't know what was going on and where, or where to go. And um, that's actually where I learned that's actually where I learned about the importance of honor and and humility and just submitting yourself to authority and that that brought unity I actually learned that I learned that without humility I can't honor and without honor I can't be unified and so in that season I remember I I talk I, I talked to or I, I, when I was in youth ministry I talked a lot to some of the students about about what it means to honor and about that period of my life where where 
it really did feel like I was isolated and alone because, you know, I was, I did dishonor. I didn't have that instilled in me. I didn't honor. I didn't choose to honor. I chose to dishonor instead. And it got to a point where it was kind of, it was kind of a, uh, where people were expecting you to pick, pick a side if you were going to leave or stay, you know? Yeah. And, um, so I realized that what, I realized that there was beginning to be a split or that there already was a split, but it was starting to manifest and act. It was starting to become, it was starting to actually separate, you know? Yeah. And, um, I, uh, I'd realized that a lot of, a lot of what I surrounded myself with wasn't unity. I was, I was with one group of friends talking about my other group of friends, you know? Yeah. And I felt, I felt torn. And in the moment where I was trying to learn about honor and about how to keep unified, I found myself just kind of alone, you know? Yeah. Because you had one group of friends that were, you know, trying to stay and then another group that were trying to leave and you just kind of caught in the middle. Yeah. And there was so much, so much other stuff going on as well in my personal life where I'd already lost some friends and, um, I was, I, I didn't give my, uh, my pastor just so much honor because in that time where I even, I even dishonored him, you know, um, he just pulled me in and he just spent, he just spent time with me, you know, uh, Tuesday mornings, he, he started teaching classes, a select few guys and he just wanted me to be a part of it. He just would not let me, would not let me go. And that's where I learned like, if I'm going to be unified, if I'm going to be a part of something impactful, that's, uh, that, that, that became the most important thing to me where if it did come down to choosing a side, which it's not what it's about, but if it did come down <laughs> to that, I'd want to be on the side that was making an impact and I wanted to be unified with the church so that what I did had influence. Yeah. And so I started, that's where I learned about, um, examining fruits, uh, examining the fruits of the spirit versus the works of the flesh and what, what was coming out of my life and what was coming out of the lives of those around me and, uh, what I wanted to be like and what I wanted to be around, what I wanted to feed because, because I wanted it to grow in my life. And so I realized that I realized who, more of who I wanted to be and who I wanted to be with and what impact I wanted to make. And I decided I can't make the impact that I want to make without honoring. And I can't be unified with a movement of God with a, with a movement that that's going to lead to revival. I can't be unified to that if I don't honor. Yeah. And a few things to say about all that, but, First, I, I do remember there was a large part of your life where it was like any decision that came up, you were just kind of being bombarded with different decisions to make. You just kind of held it up to this light of, okay, is it love, joy, peace, and all, and all, all the fruits, or is it one of these other things? Like, is it? And, and you did. You made just consecutive decisions to, okay, I'm going to turn away from this decision. 
because this group of people are showing anger right now. I'm going to turn towards this because they have love and joy here. I'm going to go for this because it's peace. I'm going to go away from this because this sounds more like lust. And it was like you were just able to hold everything to that light. And that's a, in Galatians 5 for people who are wondering what he's talking about. And it's a really just a, does it fit? Which category does it fit? And that's how you kind of went with where you were going. And choosing honor seemed to fit love, joy, peace, and all that. And you've, you've, I think you've always gone with that. I mean, most of the time I've yeah. known you. And that was just yeah, a good um, way to make decisions. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I still do that. I still measure things up to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Uh, and I, I ask myself if, if I'm honoring in the decisions that I'm making. Don't get me wrong, I am imperfect. I've made some mistakes. And those mistakes have had consequences, but yeah, I, I, I've learned that even if something I've learned even recently, just as recently as this past week, I, uh, I was offered a, a new job that's fantastic and everything's been working out perfectly. I've actually been praying for this job, but I was scheduled for an appointment to test for it right on a day where my boss said that I couldn't leave, that they needed me. And I asked for the day off, and my boss and my supervisor and the person over her said no. And so, like, I realized I was actually I was actually just going to go to the appointment anyway. And halfway through, I just got so convicted and realized I my witness is being hurt my witness is being damaged by me dishonoring how would i want how would i want as an employer if i were if i were that boss and i and i told somebody that i needed them that day and they went anyway would i would i want them working for me and i realized that i i don't want to be that person like if god really is blessing me with this i won't have the dishonor to get it and unity goes so much deeper than than just in the church. Paul said to do your best to be at peace with everybody, you know, and that means that means people people in the world. And that was something that that kept that kept ringing in my mind while I was making this decision. Am I am I doing my best to be at peace with my boss and with my coworkers, letting them down when they count on me? And so I ended up going to the place. But when I walked in the door, it was to reschedule it so I could make it back to work. And it ended up working out perfectly uh, to a day where I actually could have the interview not call off work because it would be on my break. And um, my boss was, you know, happy that I was able to stay. Nice. Nice. That's good stuff. Um. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, we're trying to trying to wrap it up. You know, it's a. I know it's been a long podcast this time, but so if um, let's say someone listening finds themselves in a similar situation where you've been in before, where like they're sitting and you know some of their family maybe and their friends are with the church, and then some family and friends are trying to leave a church. Maybe they're just in the middle of like a some kind of conflict like that. Maybe it's not even a church, but any conflict like that. Your advice to them is just honor. Is is there Anything else? No, honestly. Um, I'll put it this way. When 
Joshua and Caleb went with ten spies to the promised land. Joshua and Caleb saw the giants and said, we can take them. The other ten spies said no. Um, Moses decided to go with the word of the other ten spies. And Joshua and Caleb honored that. Even though they knew that it was right, that God had spoken, that they could take over the land, and that that they would be fine. They knew that they knew the right thing to do. Yeah. They knew what they could do, but they still honored, and they were the only two to enter the promised land out of all the nation of Israel. And then another Bible story at everybody, but it's um and this one's a little bit more relationship relationshipy. That that that's a word. Um whenever Abraham was with Sarah and he was asking God, hey, should, should I do this thing? You know, Sarah, Sarah was asking him to kick out this, basically his other wife. It wasn't really his wife, but a whole long story. And his other son. And he knew that was wrong and he didn't want to do it. And God said, no, you, you honor your wife. Yeah. You know? And he was like, okay. And he did as his wife said. And it, you know, it tore him up inside. And it caused a lot of problems for the Israelites later on. That The genealogy that came from his son, Ishmael, but it was a, um, he knew he had to honor and his wife came first. And I think maybe a lot of times, even in the church, we have to honor, even if we know they're wrong, because that's what God wants us to do. And yeah, there's going to be consequences of doing the wrong thing, but those consequences are not as bad as, you know, not having unity. Yeah. And the, the thing is, uh, even, even Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they they honored they honored Nebuchadnezzar, but they didn't sin. You know when when he told them to bow down and worship him and worship the statue of him, they were like, okay, we'll honor you, but we draw the line at sinning against our God. So when I say when I say honor, it doesn't mean do everything do everything they say. Yeah, it means live at peace with them and do and. Be humble, submit to authority, no, and unless they're telling you to blatantly sin, there you do, do what you're told because unity is just as precious as the anointing oil. Yeah. Man, and yeah, that's I think that's just a it's a strong and good word. And of course, we're not saying that there's never a time where the people leaving the church are you know right. And, but we are saying the honor and, you know, even with the story we talked about earlier, we weren't, we're not choosing a side right now. Even we're not saying, oh, this person was right. This person's wrong. It's just a, that is something that happened. You found a way to stay in unity with your church. And I think that was a good thing. Um, yeah, but, uh, before we go, me and Matt were talking about just different, different memories with us and made me think of, uh, the time me, you and Matt went to Charleston. Yeah. And on the way back, I forgot you left your phone or something. Like there was something where we had to meet up again. Someone, someone yeah. left something in someone else's car or something. And we stopped at this random gas station, and uh, we found uh, matching cowboy hats. Yeah, and that's uh, with, just something uh, I want everybody to know that I still make an attempt every now and then if I know I'm going to see David Pizza Roll to uh, wear my ha- cowboy hat just in case he has it. Just in case. <laughs> <laughs> I do have mine. Uh, but after I got into a car accident, it got squashed, so it's just flat now, but I still have it. Yeah. yeah. Th- I'm think, rid of it. think of me often, but think of me in a cowboy hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Because that, that's how I picture you. Man, David, it was good having you, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It was, it was my pleasure and my honor. I'm really glad to be a part of this. Thanks again for listening. This is your host, Joshua, speaking. I just want to remind everyone, Ephesians 4.3 says to be diligent to preserve or maintain the unity of the Spirit. And that's what we're all about here is just wanting to see the whole church whole again. And there's some ways that you guys can help us do that. One way, the best way really is to follow us on Patreon.com. It's just the Whole Church Podcast. It's $3 a month. You can get a backstage pass where you'll be able to hear bloopers and just extra content and all that and help us keep all the equipment the podcast going and get the word out, which is key to accomplishing our mission. Other ways you can, you can follow us on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And nothing that could really help us is if you could just leave a review, you rate us, leave a comment on either iTunes, Google Play, or whatever. That way other people can see that and it makes the podcast easier for others to see, which helps us get the word out. And getting the word out again is key to our mission to see the whole church whole again.